Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 92. I'm Scott Davenport. Today I share five photo lessons from the Get Back sessions. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this passion we share. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. Over the past few weeks, I have been enjoying the documentary series Get Back, which chronicles a month of recording by the Beatles. And as much as I have enjoyed bearing witness to how some of my favorite songs took shape, I've also been taking note of the creative process, how the Beatles created their music, but also how outside forces shaped that creative process. And today I want to share these thoughts with you and how I see they intersect with photography. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend on social media, with your camera club. Also, if you can, please leave a rating for the podcast. Fresh current ratings really help other photographers find out about the show. iPhone or Mac OS users, you can rate directly in the Apple Podcasts app. Open the podcast in your library, scroll down, and you'll see the rating right there. And you can also leave a rating on the web at podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. For those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while now, you know that I am very much a fan of the Beatles, so I'm sure you knew it was only a matter of time before I was going to talk about it. Get Back, this three-part documentary series by Peter Jackson. It's using the footage of the Beatles and their month-long of recording sessions in January of 1969, and this resulted in the album Let It Be. Now, I can't say I would recommend this docuseries for everyone. It is simultaneously boring and fascinating. It's a slow burn with moments of insights, splashes of inspiration. I'd only recommend it for strong Beatle fans because there's no character development in the documentary. You kind of need to know who these guys are going in where they are musically, where they are as a band, the more context you have going in before you watch it, the more you get out of it. But for our purposes here in this podcast, you don't need any of that context. I'll share some observations, these lessons I took away from Get Back, and how they can inform and influence our own journey as photographers. I've got five for you, so let's get cracking. Lesson one, a change of scenery is good. The Get Back sessions start on a soundstage at Twickenham Studios, the first week to week and a half, and the band is lukewarm on this place at best. It's a movie production space, not really a recording studio, and it shows. After a bit, the sessions move to Apple Studios and Seville Row. It's a better recording space. Uh, It's closer to the center of London. The vibe just gets so much better and the music starts to click. For a photographer, this is like visiting a new place or photographing a new subject. For me, going to a new location is always a shot in the arm. When the surroundings are new, you see with fresh eyes, you aren't accustomed to the area, you're not desensitized to what's there. It's kind of like going on vacation. I think part of the reason we take a lot of vacation photos is because everything looks new. There are more photo opportunities, or more accurately, you're open to seeing more photo opportunities. With a change of scenery, you just see more. And this idea extends to our cameras, too. Now, I love that I know my camera, and I know how I like to use it. The muscle memory is there. 
I've said that a bunch of times over the course of this podcast. I think I even alluded to that in the last episode. But there's a flip side to that coin. Or I guess I should say there's a B-side to that single. The habits we form can become a breeding ground for formulaic photography if we don't keep them in check. So a change of scenery in the gear space could be renting a camera body that you've been curious about and using it for a weekend. Or break out that lens you don't use very often and work with it for a day. Use only your smartphone. You can reach places and angles with a phone in your hand that are much more challenging with a full-on camera body. Even ones with the articulating screen. You can just get into more difficult spaces or more unique angles with a phone than you can necessarily with your full camera. So change up your scenery, change up your patterns, reach for a different lens, spark some creativity. A change of scenery is good. Lesson two, outside influences are good. So we shake up the routine, lesson one, Lesson two, we can shake up our visual inputs or our interactions with other artists. So in Get Back, as the Beatles were working on the tracks that would become the Let It Be album, they wanted to play the songs live, single take, single run through. Now some of the songs called for keyboards or piano, in addition to the standard lineup of rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bass, and drums. You've got four members in the band, you need five instruments, that poses a problem. Enter Billy Preston, great keyboard player. And the Beatles knew him from their early days touring in Hamburg. He was in London, popped in to say hello, hung around a bit. The next thing you know, the Fab Four have got a keyboard player. And with Billy in the studio, John, Paul, George, Ringo, they get a major lift. It was just new energy, clearly visible in this documentary and it resulted in a richer sound. Photography collaborations are a lot like musical ones, right? You meet up with a photo buddy, you take in a location together, trade ideas, exchange notes. Just talking about photography can be invigorating. I had to meet up a couple of weeks ago with my good friend Spencer, and we mostly just talked photography. Walked a little, took a few images with the iPhone. It wasn't a heavy, serious shoot. It was fun, but it keeps the fire of photography lit. Workshops are on the upper end of that scale for me. Having just done some workshops in Oregon in November, nothing beats working with photographers in the field. You're immersed in photography, usually in a place you are less familiar with, so you get the benefits of a change of scenery, and you get to see how other photographers work, how they create their images, both in the field and in post-processing. Their vision sparks ideas for your own work. And that doesn't mean mimicry. You might not even like a certain approach or idea on the whole, but there's a sliver of it that you like, or a splinter that you can apply to your photography and hadn't thought to do so until you are working with another photographer or just around another photographer. And that's all it takes. And you can do this with podcasts, with YouTube and other instructional videos. And I like podcasts and videos because you can incorporate them more easily into your daily life. You're waiting in line for something, take in a quick video. Uh, listen to a podcast on your drive to work or the grocery store. Now, there are plenty of ways to work other influences into your photography. 
So outside influences are good. They spark creativity and they grow your island of knowledge. Speaking of creativity, a third lesson for photographers from the Get Back Sessions is versatility feeds creativity. And when we think of the Beatles, it's usually the classic lineup. Ringo on drums, George and John on guitar, Paul on bass. Maybe, maybe Paul or John on piano. But that really wasn't how they played live. That wasn't the main visuals that we got of the Beatles. Now, when you see them in the studio in the Get Back Sessions, they are bouncing around between instruments a lot. George on piano, working chords that he couldn't do on guitar. Or John playing lead, and one of them on this really interesting like Hawaiian ukulele-type instrument. Or he's laying down a bass track. Paul on drums, providing a beat for practice sessions. Even Ringo, dear Ringo, he did a bit on piano, demoing an early draft of what would become Octopus's Garden, the reason that this is interesting to me, these musicians bouncing around between instruments, uh, there's two reasons actually. First, being versatile, switching among the instruments was necessary for the song. Put in general terms, it's choosing the right tool for the job. For photographers, that's like selecting a certain camera. Different cameras behave, well, differently. A scene may necessitate a certain type of gear. Maybe it's low light, and one of your cameras is better for that than another. Or the dynamic range of the scene mandates the use of a certain body. Lenses, too. Your vision calls for compression in the scene, so the long lens comes out. Architectural photographers have tilt-shift lenses for a reason, to get those straight lines and angles. Did you shoot film back in the day? Certain film stock delivered a specific look. That's the film you use to achieve that vision. In the digital darkroom today, for me, the film equivalent is using whatever post-processing tool will deliver the look I want. I'm fluent in a few editors and can muddle through a few others. For my style of photography and processing, I know which tools will deliver the look I want or which tool makes it easier to adjust an image how I want it. So that's one way that versatility feeds creativity. The second reason this versatility I saw in the Beatles is interesting to me is because it enriched their musical language. And what I mean by that, they're all musicians, so they all speak the language of music, but they spoke not only as, say, a guitarist, but also as a bassist or a drummer. Individually, each of them was stronger on one instrument over another, but they understood enough of how to play different instruments and to speak the language of those different instruments. That fluency across a set of instruments made it easier to create the sound they wanted. Paul could talk to Ringo about a certain drum beat he wanted and describe it in a way Ringo would readily understand. John could have Paul play off his guitar riff and innately know how the bass would blend in with what John was playing on guitar. This cross-pollinated parlance made them stronger collaborators, and I think that applies to photography too. For example, I am not a videographer by trade, but I've done enough video and understand enough of that field's terminology that I can ask meaningful questions about video to someone that knows more than me. And I can understand their answers, 
so I can learn and often apply some of the storytelling aspects of videography to my still work. Speaking across genres helps too. I can talk with a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer about lighting. Now I've dabbled in lighting and flashes enough to appreciate how they work. And in my past, that led to experiments with light painting and strobe bursts. It was fun. It was a creative area I hadn't explored. And I was able to explore it more fully because I was more versatile. And that builds up, right? I mean, uh, this uh, strobe light painting thing I did, oh man, this was years ago now. It was an example of how outside influences feed creativity. I didn't become a, a light painter. It's not something I do regularly. But I do carry a small light source to use as fill light on a close-to-camera subject in some of my landscapes. The versatility feeds creativity. Like music has a shared language of keys, notes, and bars, photography has its fundamentals, aperture, shutter speed, ISO. Also, like musical instruments, each camera or each genre of photography has its own uniqueness, and a bit of versatility among them will feed creativity. Lesson number four, the start and the finish are very different. Watching the Get Back sessions, something I found fascinating is how songs I know and love took shape. The first sample of the song was very different from the final track that was pressed into vinyl. The track Get Back itself emerged from Paul almost just droning away, strumming on two bass chords, A, then D, then A, then D, repeatedly. And a melody emerged. The early lyrics were a protest song that eventually morphed into the rocker we know today. This droning two-chord strum from an unstructured jam became a number one hit, and the last song the Beatles ever performed publicly. Another example, early in these sessions, John Lennon demoed a song called Child of Nature. He's strumming away, acoustic guitar only, and I immediately know the melody, it's Jealous Guy, from John's Imagine album, somewhere in the space between 1969 and 1971, the lyrics completely changed, the lead instrument switched from guitar to piano, the core melody was the same, the bones were there, but the final song is very different. Now, it may not be a two-year metamorphosis, but isn't that like photography? Where you start and where you end up can be wildly different. How many times have you pre-visualized one version of a photo, stepped out into the field, and walked away having captured something very different? Or what you thought was going to be the image from a shoot turns out not to be. And that throwaway photo you snagged moving between compositions, that one ends up being the best of the bunch. There's also the journey from capture to completion. Processing plays a big role in crafting a final image. As basic as shifting from color to black and white to as complex as color grading and highly localized adjustments, each is a turn, a pivot point on a journey from the raw capture to a final photo. And this is a fun exercise I may have mentioned before. You take a single image and process it in two or three different ways. With a landscape, 
A simple idea is to think of the scene in different seasons and do a treatment for each one. You know, winter is cooler, summer is warmer, and so on, and you can get as creative as you want. And sometimes it's interesting to do this across the span of a few weeks. When you're done, look at how different each of those photos is from the others in the set. The same starting point, the same raw photo, different processing, and very different finishing points. So that's lesson number four. The start and the finish are very different. And finally, lesson number five, creators can't help but create. I'll bet you know this inherently as an artist. Well, here's the Beatles story from the Get Back session that underscores this for me. It's the first couple of weeks of recording. There's always new songs coming into the studio. And one that sticks out to me is from George Harrison. He comes in one morning with quote-unquote last night's song. He sits down at the piano and starts banging out this bluesy rocker. It's Old Brown Shoe. It's a lesser-known B-side single. But that's beside the point. What stands out for me is this. George apparently worked with his bandmates all day in the studio, left in the evening and went home. He had a tune stuck in his head. He worked on it through the night and came in the next morning with a fleshed-out demo. He had to create. He couldn't help himself. Photographers do this too, right? You're walking and you notice the light hitting something in just the right way. You want to take a photo. Sitting in a park or a restaurant, the people and the stories unfolding around you, you want to take a photo. Heck, you're stuck in traffic and you see a good photo, you pull out of traffic and you take a photo. We can't help ourselves. We see images everywhere. Our visual wiring is attuned to it. Just like great musicians can't help but compose new melodies, photographers can't help but see photos. So those are the five lessons for photographers I took away from watching the Get Back sessions. Let me recap those for you. Lesson one, a change of scenery is good. Lesson two, outside influences are good. Lesson three, versatility feeds creativity. Lesson four, the start and the finish are very different. And lesson five, creators can't help but create. There were some other bits and bobs in Get Back where the photographers among us got some enjoyment. So the place is teeming with people, producers, sound engineers, recording engineers, and a film crew capturing this project. And the film crews are capturing the still photographers that are capturing the scenes as well. Uh, there was Ethan Russell. He was the still photographer hired to capture things, in including the rooftop performance at the end. Uh, Linda Eastman, Paul McCartney's wife, she had her Nikon. I think it was a Nikon F. There were a couple of good, good shots of it. It looked like a Nikon F. There was even this bit where uh, John was talking about Kodak Ektachrome film. I think it was a reference to video. Uh, Ringo was showing off his Sony video recorder. So there, there was some, uh, some good things in there for just the photographers in us. And the still photography that was used to accompany audio-only portions of the documentary. Now, there's something about a multimedia approach, photos plus audio... Yeah, the audio enhances the image's power and vice versa. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to, to see those pieces in there. Again, Get Back isn't for everyone. If you're a 
Beatles fan and a somewhat deep one at that, you'll enjoy it more and a bit extra if you're an artist yourself. But if you're not into the Beatles, I hope that these five lessons I've shared here uh, give you something to work into your photography going forward. And that'll finish up this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that supports the show through comments, reviews, shares. Those are just some of the ways you can support the show. There are many other ways. You hit the support link in the show notes, or if you're on the web, the support the show button on every page of Stop Down Podcast. There are a bunch of different zero-cost ways you can support this podcast. And of course, if you want to support the show financially, you can also make a donation. Though a share on social and a review in your podcast app, that means so much. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun. Thank you.